Normally, being a little extra might be a bit much, but not when it comes to healthcare. That's why United Healthcare's Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, supplement your primary plan so you manage out-of-pocket costs. Learn more at uh1.com. Quality sleep is essential for boosting energy, recovery, and well-being. So, take your sleep to the next level with Sleep Number. With a Sleep Number smart bed, you can individualize your comfort level and enjoy a better sleep night after night. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now the Queen Sleep Number C4 smart bed is only $1,599, a saving of $300, only for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at Sleep Number stores or sleepnumber.com. This episode is sponsored by Try Vegan, a vegan meal home delivery service that is nutritious and delicious and makes your life easier. Based out of New Jersey, they deliver throughout the Northeast. Check out more details on their website, tryveganmealprep.com. And you can get 25% off your first order with the promo code LITYOGA. So go vegan. Good movement and welcome to Redefining Yoga, a lit yoga podcast, which is designed to investigate all aspects of the modern evolution of yoga from my background as a physical therapist and lover of movement. My mission is to help everyone find freedom through safer and smarter movement patterns so together we can be uplifted, benefiting all beings. Today is Wednesday Q&A. You ask the questions and I answer. And I'm answering again with my lovely co-host, physical therapist and wonderful friend, lit senior teacher, Kristen Williams. Woo! Hi, everybody. Woo-woo! So fun to have you on here to uh, see your responses because I think we both contribute um, in different ways. So getting right out of the gates here, um, Savingia asks, Hi, what do I do about hip flexor pain that's radiating to the gluteus medius? dun da da so I'm wondering when she's getting this. When she says hip flexor, I'm guessing she means in the front of the hip and it radiates to the gluteus medius. That's, it's a peculiar, it's almost a backwards. You know, usually stuff starts posteriorly and radiates anteriorly or starts proximal, radiates distal, but we do see it happen in the other direction. What do you do about it? Again, it all boils down to, I think, taking a look at the structures in the area. So looking at the hip joint mobility, looking at the posture, we always come back to posture, but looking at the, the spinal mobility, really looking at the soft tissue structures, you know, what's going on what, uh, to, to cause that radiation? And is it neurological? Is it orthopedic? Is it just like a trigger point? That's a big trigger point radiation. So that's one of those, again, it's, this is where it does get hard when we can't see people yeah. and really get deeper into the question. Because she could be talking about the hip flexor being the TFL, which is really, really close to the gluteus medius. And so the TFL is a hip flexor. It's also an internal rotator. And because of its proximity to the gluteus medius, it will often be summoned to work when the gluteus medius is deciding to snooze. Absolutely. So you can get, and there's bursa all around there as well. So it's, it is hard to say without looking at you. But generally speaking, when you have that kind of, that pain that is moving or that pain is, that is in a, that band, 
I would say anywhere from the pubic bone outward to the iliac crest and then around to the sacrum and back and then everything through that. I call that the Bermuda Triangle because it, that tr- those three points in between there is a lot of um, grumpy stuff when you are not in neutral, when your pelvis is not in neutral. If your pelvis is in neutral, you're probably not going to be moving well in your hips or your spine. Like Kristen was saying, you have to look at the mobility there. So the first thing I would say to you, uh, Savingia, I'm sorry if I'm botching that name, is, is really, are you moving, living, standing, sitting with a neutral pelvis? And if you're not, start there. Meaning when you have the pubic bone in the somewhat of the same line as the two front pelvic points, those two bones on the front of your body, people call them hip points too, there's somewhat in the same line. You're, you're, Pubic bone might be a tad behind, but if it's more than that, that's you're tipping in the pelvis too much. You can also tell by looking from the side and and if you see your front ribs moving forward too much, then your pelvis is probably tipping. So all those are kind of clues that you're not living in that neutral pelvis, and that can affect this whole area that you're talking about: the front, the side, and the back. Um, that entire range of the hip joint area and the back rim of the pelvis where it meets the lumbar spine. I agree. Yep. Um, you can also look at the, at the feet, you know, kind of see what's happening at the ankle. Are you collapsing there, which is causing an internal rotation moment, you know, yanking on that TFL and the gluteus medius. But the, yeah, the TFL is a really good call on that one because of that close proximity. And it does, it always kicks on to help out. And a lot of times we're weak in our hip abductors and we actually don't abduct, which means coming straight out to the side. We, we flex more than we abduct. And so that can be what's going on too, I think. If you're, you think you're moving in your frontal plane, but you're actually kicking on those stronger hip flexors. And then secondary, like you said, to imbalances, weakness in your um, non-neutral pelvis. Our right. body is really yeah. good at compensating, but sometimes it's when you have an overuse because there's an asymmetry that this type of stuff develops, especially if it's only, and usually things are only on one side because there's an asymmetry that we'll find anywhere along the body, but certainly left to right. Yeah. So one thing you could do, this could be for anybody, but especially if you have anything similar to this, um, with my gut would say your gluteus medius is weak, like many. So you could take a block and put it on the longest setting and put the block... Uh, on the wall and then put the other end of the block against your lateral hip and press that into the wall and then unweight your other leg, just kind of slide it out to the left. So one side is stabilizing gluteus medius, the other side is moving it. And it's always better to have a smaller movement at first so you don't get into what, like what Kristen was saying, hiking the hip up, trying to recruit your flexors. Um, and really make it a pure movement out to the side and hip abduction. So that way you're working on strengthening that area. Because if you have pain in that area, it's it's probably not due to uh, it's you know it's it, it's positional almost always that's causing some kind of pain unless it's like an overuse thing. So that's that's the most we can say without actually looking at you. And always feel free to uh, like send us a a shot a, a video or a photo or something. To one of our um, Instagram sites, you can you can DM me or Kristen. Kristen is KB Williams, 
99. Yep. KB Williams 99. Okay, next question. Tasha Handstands, could you expand on the lift the femur into the glute cue? It is revolutionizing my movement. Uh, I'll start off on this one. So I say that a lot in different ways. And, and, and essentially what I'm trying to do is get true hip flexion, which means that you have the thigh bone, the femur. And when your hip is flexing, the femur is going to be gliding posterior, so back towards your glutes. That's, that's kind of a hard thing to conceptualize because you're, you're hinging forward and the femur is going back. But if I give you a place to think about it going, like femur back into the glute, that can translate more in the brain. Like, oh, okay. Because say if you're standing right now, you can try this. You lean over to touch the ground. Well, there's many, many ways we can do that. And some are better than others, but we can accomplish the action of getting our hands to the ground. Then when we start to bring more intention to it, and we say, we really want this to happen at the hip joint, that requires hip flexion with a neutral spine. So you're not rounding in the spine. Um, and this is where people have some issues because from sitting a long time, from just suboptimal on mechanics, their hips don't move as well and they move something else. So if you start to lower your hands to the floor, like I was just saying and your hip no longer glides back, your back will round to get your hands down. Like your brain will figure it out. So I think probably that idea, that that just was a novel cue or kind of brain, you know, moment that you had where it was like, oh, that makes sense. I might've said it a million times, like, or you might've heard this a million times, like flex of the hip, hinge at the hip, but all of a sudden moving that femur back toward the glute just elicited that uh, trigger in your brain that it understood what to do, the action. I can give a testimony to how it changed my practice. Um, and that, I, I don't know if, if her name is Tasha Handstands or if she was talking about handstands, but I'm, it could be, I know it, I mean, my point is, it, it, it changed my handstand practice. And I think the reason being a lot of people, myself, I was a tumbler, so I, I've been on my hands and done handstands walking around, but never a s- static handstand because I wasn't really a gymnast or a diver or something like that. So when I thought of handstands, it was, well, my feet need to get over my head. And so my brain always went to, how can I get my feet up? And when I started thinking way back many years ago, when you used that cue on me about bringing my femur up into my pelvis or flexing my hip, for me, it gave more feedback to where my pelvis was. I stopped thinking about my feet, which helped because I was one of the classic banana backs where the feet go up first and the pelvis lags because you're not talking to it, that then your feet are over your shoulders, but your pelvis is behind. So you have that sway back. Suddenly, you start pulling that knee in, or that excuse me, that femur back into the pelvis, and your brain starts talking to your pelvis. And I think that's true going into handstand, but it's absolutely true in airplane, in any type of single leg, whether it's even a you know a, a high lunge. You know, it takes our brain out of our feet and into our pelvis, and that ability to bring things more proximal to the core really allows us to stack 
which is what I think we lose with regular daily activity. Because anytime we're stacked, it's usually a lazy stacking while sitting or even think about it. How often do you really stand stacked? You usually pop one hip off to the side or we stand asymmetrically. We're rarely really stacked. So that cue changed my practice in that it brought my awareness to my pelvis where it just naturally hadn't been for so many years. I think that's, yeah, beautiful. It is. And it's really, it's really cueing those proximal muscles to, to stabilize the femur in the pelvis. And that, those are proximal. So yeah, you're, you're inherently not only bringing more awareness, but you're, you're getting that control from the neuromuscular feedback there. So there you go. Perfect. Okay, so the next question is, in one of your flow, this is um, Mary Lorem. In one of your flows, we shrug the shoulders in down dog and then jump to handstand. Should the shoulder blades stay elevated? This is one of the most confusing concepts for people. And I totally get it. For us as PTs, we, for we as PTs, um, it, it, it's like we get that scapula moves in a variety of way depending on the angle of the shoulder joint, the glenohumeral joint. So I know this gets really confusing when you go from like down dog. So this is my take on it. Down dog, you have your scapula. We've mentioned this before in, in our shoulder dis- discussions. Your scapula are, are in an upperly rotated position, which is equal parts, elevation, protraction, and some depression or kind of stabilization in the action of depression of the lower trapezius to stabilize that border of the scapula on the back. When you go into handstand, you still will have that feeling of it if you're hopping into it. And so, but to me, translate. so the answer is going from down dog and hopping into it, you've already gotten your handstand arms ready. You're also hopping into a pike, both feet are off the floor. There's a lot of differences there. Then if you're coming from like a static L, standing L, standing split position, I would say recognize that's a different entry into handstand than when you're coming from a standing split. Standing split, you are, uh, the way I teach it is you are moving onto a neutral scapula position. And as the pelvis moves over the shoulders, the shoulder joint, and that includes the scapula, is a lot, the scapula will elevate. But that happens as that movement, because think about it, your shoulder is really at 90, your shoulder's at 90 degrees when you're in standing split. And then as the pelvis moves over the shoulder, the shoulder flexion becomes greater than 90 degrees. So with that, you allow the scapula to move. But to start off that movement from a standing split with your shoulder in an upperly rotated position, protracted, all that, I don't think is helpful. And I think it's actually, you work against yourself. You work against the soft tissue because your thoracic spine naturally will feel rounded um, instead of being able to really lean onto the structure of the scapula on the back ribs. I think that's why you're asking the question because there is a di- it's a different entry into handstand from a down dog jumping or pike jumping into a pike versus from a standing split and going. Any? Yeah, I would agree. I definitely think for my down dog jumping into my version is more of a tuck than a pike. I I feel 
a settling of my scapula, kind of like you said, there it's a it's a depression, but it's a stabilization. I don't, I'm not sinking into the scapula, but I definitely set them back in my down dog. That way, like you said, I'm already there. My my arms are in essentially 180 degrees-ish, 170, 180 degrees of flexion. So I'm set and I go, I dive into my hands, head goes down, hips come up, just following that arc of the pelvis as it comes from behind and over. But uh, it's certainly not a shrug. I think what's nice about the shoulder shrugs in down dog is it differentiates between pure scapular elevation when when you shrug and an upwardly rotated yet settled in like depressed ish stabilized mm-hmm. scapula yeah. so we get that feeling oh that's where i want to be yes i'm still upwardly rotated because my arm is at 180 degrees 178 degrees of flexion but i'm settled in and then that does not move i'm literally it is I'm diving into my hands in order to get my butt up. Uh, yeah, versus, like you said, that's a big part of what stops that, you know. So that has to be set as well. Yeah, it has to be set, and and so you know, I think a great way, like a method to work, even though I'm, you know, I know you're not a big wall fan, but uh, working on getting that set and then that dive in is going towards a wall and trying to boop your butt to the wall. Yeah, that actually, I, I don't mind that. I think that's actually really good feedback because for the most part, people aren't getting their pelvis over enough. So, yeah. And that's actually giving them the feedback they need versus a, most people can kick up onto a wall. That's like, you know, no offense people, but that's not, that doesn't really, doesn't take a lot of, <laughs> of muscle strength or, or, you know, stability. But yeah. actually getting both legs off the floor and tapping the pelvis, like, a, yeah, the sacrum boop, yeah, where yeah. you kind of bop it there, that is actually great feedback because most people think, oh my God, I'm going to I'm gonna fly over my hands. And I'm like, you're not even close. <laughs> you know, you've got to get your pelvis way over. And yeah. you, you, I would say, and you have to keep the scapula set. You know, you yes. can't, you oh, can't break gosh. that. If you break the shoulder flexion, your head's going to hit the wall. So it, it helps you keep that, that scapula yeah. set you dive your head because you don't want to go head first in the wall. You're in major thoracic extension. Yeah. If you let that go and it goes into flexion, that you're right, your head just goes forward. And you see that with people. They're like, why am I always hitting my head? It's like, they're just, you're not maintaining. You're just yeah. letting that scapula slide off. Now, I feel like probably what you're, this woman's referring to, Mary, Mary Lowe, or, um, is that Sometimes I will have people shrug their shoulders in down dog to feel the activation of the upper trapezius. And but often I, I I don't I don't typically want you to stay there like Kristen's saying. It's like upward rotation. It has a component of elevation, but it doesn't have you way up squeezed, squeezing those scapula way up there. There's it's a nice lift, and then you have the, the rotation as the the border of the scapula goes outward in protraction. So I think that it's good to know those muscles are there and then practice jumping and feeling how the scapula will be like a brake pad for you. It's fun. It's, it, I, and a lot of people ask me, what is harder? Learning how to handstand, learning how to pike. 
learning how to pike, <laughs> learning how to jump, um, because you're having both legs at the same time. That's a lot of core integration. When you have one leg, you can. There's a lot more kind of wiggle room. The pelvis will sometimes rotate a little bit. You can have your legs counterbalance each other. Both legs up. You've got to get your pelvis way over to even feel a degree of lightness. That stacking. Otherwise, you just feel so heavy. So uh, once you get it, it becomes something that you just reinforce, and then um, you don't have to like relearn. But I think there's a, there's a lot longer trajectory to get to the place where you feel a true pike of lightness um, versus I think you can get a handstand feeling of lightness before that. It's just a bigger pull on your back fascial line, quite frankly. So if you have any tightness in your back, which most people do, going across your butt into your hamstrings, which most people do, it is uh, gonna, it's going to drag you down a little bit. Uh, so that's the other thing is you're going to have a lot of natural drag that you're really going to have to, uh, push into the floor against to, to get the pelvis over. No, hundred percent. I'm, I'm still working on my pike, my not tuck, tuck yeah. handstand cakewalk because you don't have that pull of the back. You don't, it's basically a lever arm. You don't have the legs hanging off that you're having to, yeah. you know, anchor the, the right. But something like to me, I think, uh, because I could do the lever, but the longer the pike, well, I mean, I could do that because of my opening in my back body. But I, when I see people pike, I mean, a tuck, it's actually to me that you've got to really have your control factor in because you become like a little missile, <laughs> you know? So versus when you have your legs out, they're like natural drag. Like I have never felt like I was going to flip over. I sometimes feel like I go a little bit too far and I pick up my hand and, you know, but like a, like the knees coming in kind of quickly like that, you better have that core control because it is a tighter, uh, your tighter mass to control. You don't have the benefit of the legs kind of dragging you down. So there's, there are challenges in different ways. The way piking with the legs straight, there's a challenge from a flexibility standpoint. But tucking, there's a challenge like really consolidate because you are going to have to control, uh, you know, a tighter mass together. Yeah. Well, this was fun. Yeah, any, you want to add anything on? No, I was just to say, I was one of the weird ones that got the tuck before I got the standing split. And I think it's 100% flexibility. It took my hamstrings out and it brought yeah. it all to my, sh- my arms and my shoulders and my core, which are strong, but my hamstrings have always been my, my hamstrings and my back fascia have always been my Achilles heel for the lack right. of better term. Yeah. A limitation. Right. Cause if they're pulling you down, that's, that's a serious amount of, uh, you it's know, hard. yeah, it is. Yeah. All right. Well, as always, it was wonderful sharing yeah. with you, my sister and awesome questions from all of you. You can always write me or Kristen. My Instagram is lara.hyman and Kristen is kdwilliams99. And write us what you would like to know about. Any questions and we would love to answer. As always, I'm pulling for you. 